Welcome to East Meets West, Rob. Hey, that was short and easy. Yeah, it's the show where we discuss contemporary Canadiana from our adopted homes in Ottawa and Calgary. Isn't that right? And we do it every three months or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. Yeah. I think that's a good place to start, to be yeah. honest. As we've discussed, I'd, I'm going to take 70, 75% of that blame. At least, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, so uh, what have you been up to? I had two jobs, <laughs> which is crazy in that time span. <laughs> I worked at Pedalheads for a second time, had a blast, lost about 20 pounds of nice. uh, study weight, we'll call it, school weight, <laughs> study weight. Either one works. Yeah, I mean, you you burn north of 3,000 calories a day and the, the pounds just melt off. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, kids are always fun. It was a good summer. That's awesome. Made uh, made new friends. And as always, they are much younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might just have a thing for that. I don't know. It's, it's funny because you meet these people in a professional setting and you like you get to know them. They're nice people. They just happen to be much younger than you. Yeah. And I don't know whether that speaks to their maturity more than mine or whether it's some hybrid of the two. <laughs> I think I have the opposite thing. I always make friends with people who are a little bit like a year or two older. I've also made friends with people that are much older than me. And that was the, well, I mean, in my second job at the Kent Hair Campaign, um, I made friends with people much older than I am. But, I mean, it's just... It's just who you're around, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You also, you tend to share a lot of hobbies and interests with much older people, I think. <laughs> At least some of the time. Oatmeal, naps, breaking hips. Yeah, it's... Potatoes. Potatoes? I think old people tend to like potatoes more than young people. Just like in the... like. I think that is the game. single most contentious statement of the podcast so far. No, but like French fries are a different matter than just like a potato that you put in the oven or cook or however you do it. You don't agree? I don't agree. I don't. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the weird one. <laughs> Rob, anti-potato. I have no special fondness for them is all I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't understand, but I'll accept that. that I like like French fries are delicious, but just a d potato. Nobody's cooked. doubting that. Yeah. All right. All right. That's that's cool. <laughs> I should point out, Nick. Maybe that's maybe that's an Eastern thing. Like we we have a lot more potatoes out east. You guys maybe. have all the wheat. Maybe that's maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. I love wheat. That's true. Yes. That might be it. As do I. <laughs> Got no issues with gluten. Yeah. Um, so between the two of us, Nick, we lost the weight of a fairly medium-sized toddler in over the summer how much did you lose i'm at about 20 to 22 pounds since the beginning of july since our last episode basically nice congratulations yeah. and also due to biking basically because i think i've ridden the bus three or four times to work total oh yeah in that two and a half whatever months it's been yeah like my honestly i found that's the biggest difference is how often you're engaged in active transport mm -hmm. 
because um, I mean, the lightest I've been in my adult life was in London, I think. And that was when London's pretty sprawly, okay. I find. So I'd bike or walk to and from school. And then all the fun stuff happened downtown, which was like a half, a half hour, 40 minute walk, depending on, you know, where exactly you're coming from. Right. And even then, like it was always at least 10 minutes walk to a bus stop. So even if you manage to catch a bus, you're walking like 20 minutes anyway. That makes sense. Yeah. London, Ontario needs better transit. <laughs> they also had some examples of what I am convinced is the worst idea for bike lanes ever. But what's that? That's another matter. Well, um, so what they would have on, I think it's Wonderland, which is one of their busier roads. Great name. Totally. No, yeah. one's, no one's debating the, <laughs> the greatness of the title Wonderland for a road. Yeah. But so you have the sidewalk and then you have that bit that's usually grassy or whatever. And then you have the curve yeah. in the road. So they paved over what would be that grassy bit. And not well. They didn't pave <laughs> over it well. They just put enough asphalt that nothing would, or, uh, nothing would live and called that a bike lane. And huh. so at major intersections, you are forcing the mixing of right-turning traffic. This is, I'm specifically thinking of one intersection where there was a right-turn lane, the bike lane, and the sidewalk. And they all intermingle into this one single choke point. Right. Because they accept... They expect you to bike through the crosswalk, which is not what you're supposed to do. Right. No, of course not. Yeah. Unless you want them to dismount at every intersection. And then I think yeah. you've defeated the purpose of having a bike lane. Pretty much. And it's just, I looked around at it and I went, you know, it's, it's obvious they're trying. Yeah. And so I'm not sure how mad I can be at them. Cause I mean, they're trying but they're going about it in the stupidest way possible. <laughs> it sounds like when they were doing this, they did not ever consult anybody who had ridden a bike before. Yeah, yeah. And there are even some intersections in Calgary where I look around and I'm like, you know, I mean, I taught kids and I, I've gone over this a lot. And honest to God, like, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll give you pointers. Please just talk to me. But like, your ideas are terrible. <laughs> yeah. Our uh, city hall, I don't know if you were, it was here, it was like that when you were here, but uh, in Ottawa, city hall now has a bike lane going in front of it in the same way that you describe. Instead of having the strip on the other side of the sidewalk, there's a bike lane. They've paved it well. It's, it's fully asphalted and nice, but it's only got a couple of markings on it to show that... Uh, it's actually a bike lane and so people walk on it all the time and people are cutting across it it's not great but at least it's something and it, it doesn't really have the same problem that you're describing of a bunch of people all trying to do the same thing at the same time right turning traffic and pedestrians and all of that but well that is merciful yeah yeah so i'm glad we got to talk about bike lanes within 10 minutes of starting the episode yeah of course yeah always <laughs> how could we not infrastructure it's important it is important yeah so taking 25 percent or downwards of the blame would be you and what have you been up to lately for those of our listeners who don't actually listen to future chat could we well, see your I mean, left hand 
we can. Uh, I mean, you're not going to be able to see it on the audio there's, version there's of the podcast. But there's something sparkling on your ring finger, Rob. Yeah, I I did get married this uh, July, at the end of July. That That itself wasn't really a motivator for not doing the show, but going on the honeymoon definitely was. I was say, because I, you yeah. were gone a lot. And you're going to be gone again this uh, this weekend. Yeah. Doing what? I'm not sure, but it doesn't even matter. I'm no, just going to be just, gone. You just keep leaving, and yeah, yeah. But that being said, I have been working for the government. Uh, we'll get to in a little bit that I will soon not be doing that. Uh, at least in the same capacity that I was uh, yeah. up until next week. But uh, I've been doing that. I'm doing some writing, actually. Up until sort of the wedding time, I was doing quite a bit of writing and uh, been biking a lot and doing as many podcasts as I possibly can. That's good. That's yeah. always a productive use of time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I take some of the blame because I was gone for part of it, part of the break. But really, let's be honest, you, you were doing some big things. I was doing normal things. But you were doing big things. That's well, true. What, educating what were you next, actually doing? Educated, educating the next generation of cyclists is truly one of <laughs> life's most rewarding careers. That's obviously what I'm referring to. <laughs> and slightly below that in importance is trying to get the first liberal elected within the city of Calgary since 1968. Right. Yeah. As it turns out, Southern Alberta has not been a huge fan of the national energy policy. And, uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me to be honest. Yeah. That happened under Pierre Elliott Trudeau and, uh, grit has been a four letter word ever since. Yeah. But now we've got the other white Trudeau and they're going to try again. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so that's the other thing I was doing is, uh, I was hired on to Kent Hare's campaign for Calgary Center. Mm -hmm. He's making the jump from being a two-term MLA to being an MP. The numbers look good right now. And uh, hopefully, with a little more swing vote support, he'll be well into first place. That's awesome. It's really exciting. And, I mean, within that... There were a couple just really neat experiences, like talking to former diplomats and CEOs and just these outrageously accomplished people that come into the campaign office and say, how can I help? And, I, and you'd look at them and say, well, we've, uh, we've got some lawn signs here. They're, they're disassembled. Do you want to stick the metal stakes into the bottom of the sign? They're like, yeah, absolutely. I can do that. And it's like, you get paid an absurd amount of money when you're actually at work and we have you here just doing this. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, that's what it takes. It's surprising how, how much of that kind of thing the campaign really takes and they absolutely understand and appreciate it. It's just really interesting. And I also, I believe I got to go to the old house of Bible Bill Aberhart, the father of the Social Credit Party in Alberta. Yeah. And it was on that on that lawn that I planted a giant Kent Hare sign. 
<laughs> now, would he love that or would he hate that? I'm pretty sure Bible Bill is spinning in his grave. Okay. As I understand it anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, little known fact that uh, William Aberhart is the namesake of my university, or my, not my university, my high school in Calgary. Is that, that a little known fact that... Is, is the little known fact that you went to that high school or William yeah. Aberhart was the namesake no, of William Aberhart High yeah. School? Because I Most thought that would be pretty self-evident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My first email address that was actually sort of one I used, like put on my resume, for instance, was uh, Abe underscore QB spelled out C-U-B-E-E at Hotmail.com because of William Aberhart. That's what that was. Yeah. Oh. Well, isn't that interesting? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was until Gmail came around. Yeah. Fascinating. So fascinating. So, yeah, that's uh, from pedal heads to politics. That's where I've been. Yeah. And we've got... God, it's been the longest writ period since, I think, 1872. Yeah. So there's still like a couple weeks to go. We got 18 days. Yeah. And it's just, it has been one hell of a campaign. It's been a little bit crazy. Like I'm, I'm now seeing it from the inside and basically from the moment, I guess not the moment, but like the two days after the writ dropped, I started getting, like, I got emails about the biggest projects I had. The projects that end up actually going to Parliament were just, like, shut down until as late as November or December when the new party finally takes over and appoints ministers and that kind of thing. Like, yeah. everything just stops. And it stops for, like, two and a half months just for apparently no reason. Like, really no reason at all. And maybe that's... uh Maybe that's an example of the conservatives in action. <laughs> yeah. Saving your taxpayer dollars by shutting down Parliament for as long <laughs> as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> but also there are millions of dollars of taxpayer money paying public servants who still go into work even though their projects, at least some of their projects, have been just put on hold or stopped completely. And and are their desks clean, Rob? Uh because they Mostly, had better yeah. be if they're on if they're on the public dime. Yeah, mine's Good. not, but <gasps> I think most are. I, that's actually <laughs> when I worked at Border Services. Apparently, there was an incident in which the power went off because the power always goes off in Southwest Ottawa. Okay, and just a terrible grid down there for all the heavy industry. But I digress. Um, they're not heavy industry, but details. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apparently, the power went off and a bunch of people went home and a large-scale chewing out was had over the state of affairs in which the the office was left. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's such a waste of time, though. Really. Is it, though? Is it? A little bit. It depends on whether or not you're a manager, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm definitely not. Nor am I. No. So this election, I've been keeping up probably the minimum amount to call myself semi-informed. I know that the parties are 
kind of evenish in the polls. NDP have like started to drop a little bit, but blue and red are pretty much neck and neck at this point. Man, like it's been, it has been insane. I'm going to open up the, like the long-term poll thing here just so I can see it. Yeah, sure. But it's been, like when, when they started out, or when the writ period was about to happen, the liberals were just in an ungodly commanding lead. And then they supported Bill C-51 and just <laughs> tanked. Just tanked. Yeah. Like their support just, it was terrible. But since then, I'm looking at it, the leader in the polls has changed less often than I thought actually. Like, the Liberals went from being last place and having the NDP support peak at almost 40%, which is getting pert near majority territory in the polls, Mm -hmm. to having just everything go bass-ackwards. Now, in the polls anyway, the NDP are last, and the Conservatives are roughly within margin of error of the liberals right and it's just crazy like i think the biggest difference with the the uh, progressive parties has been tom mulcair's decision to avoid deficit spending and the liberals outright commitment to it Mm -hmm. and that's I've noticed an uptick in liberal support since about that time. And more recently, we had the French language debate, which appeared to shift significantly the polling opinions in Quebec, where the niqab during citizenship ceremonies is a huge issue, apparently. And while we're on that, I'd love to hear your thoughts. (laughs) My thoughts on the election coming up in general? No, the, the whole niqab thing. I don't, I don't think like this is the whole, um, sort of gender equality issue all over again. Like, I don't think I merit an opinion. I have certain thoughts about the kind of clothing you're allowed to wear during, for example, of like the boarding or security check at an airport or getting your citizenship. Like, I feel like you should have to at least show your face during points where you need to be identified visibly by your face but other than that i don't really feel like we have a say as people who have no we have no real sort of no authority to say they nobody should do that because it's not something we wear it's not part of our culture yeah well the two sides of the argument are really like your side in that yes you need to verify their identity during security screenings which they do prior to the citizenship ceremony right and i mean other than that it's an issue of religious freedoms like yeah if they want to do that and it is a part of their religion then by all means have at her but in quebec and 
I want to say like uh, there must be other places in Canada where it's an issue, but I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, the argument is, uh, you'll want to, is there an argument? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I blanked on the reasonable argument because there's the argument I feel is unreasonable, which was Harper's big go-to for a while, which was, uh, you know, well, when you're, when you're becoming a citizen of Canada, that you should be proud. And there's no reason you should want to show, or you should want to hide your face when you're supposed to be proud and you're supposed to be, you know, becoming a citizen of this great country, that kind of thing. Nonsense. But the, uh, the more reasonable argument I feel is the one saying you, what is it? we shouldn't allow the expression of religious practice that subjugates women in that way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that, but it's a little problematic for me in that. I don't think that's the way to go about it. You can't like mandating that they not wear them is the same as mandating that they wear them. I think that, it would be a lot more beneficial to be like this is like we get that this is a tradition but these are the problems with that tradition and maybe speak to because i think in a lot of cases it it's kind of an indoctrination by males in that society that say you have to do this and so it when when women grow up under that influence they don't even really think about it as an option it's just the thing you do yeah. And there are a lot of things in culture like that, like that we wouldn't even think about twice. But then you, if you really looked at it and thought about it from an objective perspective, you'd be like, uh, maybe, maybe that doesn't make any sense. And so like, right now, yeah. why do we wear ties when collars come with buttons? Yeah. Like it's, it's archaic and we basically do it because we think we, we think it looks nice. Yeah. That, that's not example is not exactly the same, but yeah, I get your point. Yeah, well, in that it's a thing that we do for no reason in particular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's where that is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, in, in Belleville, Belleville, I believe, ranks unusually high for number of fundamentalist Christian churches per capita, which is a fun little stat. That um, doesn't surprise me. But we have the... Uh, we have a relatively strong Pentecostal population in Belleville. Okay. And integral to their beliefs is that women should not wear pants or something like that. Like they, the women always wear skirts or long dresses or something like that. Yeah. And it was to the point, I actually know someone from high school who was exempt from play or from uh grade nine gym. Okay. Because to really, participate in gym you would have to wear pants and couldn't do that so Mm. there you are but i mean that's another religion in which we've in which they've said you know men and women have to be dressed differently it's just the the differences are more like acceptable from our society's standpoint Right, they're more familiar to us because both styles of dress, the one that's mandated for men and the one that's or mandated for men is kind yeah. of a weird way to phrase that. Puts the, the man in mandate. For, yeah. And the one that's mandated for women, they're both styles of fashion that 
are acceptable in daily use. Like you could wear either one in our society. So it's not thought of as weird. Whereas with any sort of, uh, sort of religious headdressing, we are not really used to seeing that. And so it seems weird to have that be one of the things that is mandated. Yeah. And once again, like no one gets uppity about yarmulkes, but if it's a turban, then whoa, my heavens, what, what do you have hidden up there? Jeez. Yeah. It always strikes me that the people who say things like that are people that you probably wouldn't want to associate with otherwise. (laughs) And so it it always kind of works as a self-selecting thing for me where you hear that there are a lot of people who are, I mean, racist and is there, is there a word other than theist for religious discrimination? Pardon? Cause like theology is the study of religion. Yes. So like if you're theist, you're discriminatory against people who are different religion than you. I'm, I'm using the word theist to describe that, even though that's not actually a word. Okay. I'm asking if there's an alternative to that, that I can use instead of saying religious discrimination. Oh, I'm guessing there isn't. I have no idea. I've never heard one. But anyways, Christianist. <laughs> well, it's not it's not Christianist. It's if anything, it's the opposite of Christianist. It's Christians who are afraid or or feel threatened by other religions. Xenophobia. That's I mean, that's an aspect of it. I forget where we, where I was even going with this. Yeah, that's cool. I got caught up on theist now. <laughs> It's okay. It um, happens. But we don't. It's kind of thought of as, I think, more okay to be afraid. And this is kind of a North American thing, but in the way that I've experienced it, but it probably happens everywhere. And that if you, if you are, if you strongly believe in a certain religion, you have to kind of innately be afraid of other religions coming and taking any religious freedoms you have away from you. Maybe that's a feeling I get. I've never experienced that. I'm not strongly religious, but that's the kind of thing you hear about from conservatives that I've heard about from conservatives anyways. Well, what do you hear a lot in, you know, tea party conservatism is they'll, they'll absolutely beat the drum saying, you know, we need to protect our our religious freedoms. But they only ever beat that drum when they're talking about their particular religious freedoms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not great. But I no, mean, not there's not, yeah, there's not really much you can do because we can't, as humans, we're, we're somewhat good at empathy, but we're only good at empathy really I mean, other than by practicing it a lot, we're only really good at it when we are empathizing with somebody who looks like us and talks like us and smells like us. Psychologically speaking, I think you'd call that in-group and out-group. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can absolutely empathize with the in-group, but that out-group is just weird and strange and there's no reasoning (laughs) with them. Right, they're different than us somehow. Yeah. Not all fundamentally the same. Us in the in-group yeah yeah that's that's about how that goes yeah yeah so right now the niqab issue has 
it appears to have really sapped a lot of NDP support because they were flying high in in uh, Quebec. And I remember when Gilles Deceppe said he was coming back to lead the bloc, thinking, geez, that's the only one party that could really potentially hurt is the NDP. Because yeah. they're still trying to ride the orange wave from 2011. And so, yeah, they've dropped and the conservatives and uh, the bloc have seen their numbers rise by about as much as the NDP has dropped. Liberals have been remain or have been remaining steady because, well, Trudeau also supports Nikov's Trudeau and Mulcair said, you know, that's an issue of religious expression and there's nothing we can do about it. But, I mean, Harper's singing the same tune that he has been singing, and Gilles Duceppe is, you know, all about protecting the, what would you call it, Christian heritage of Quebec. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. So if if the, maybe I'm misunderstanding something, but if the Liberals and NDP are feeling the same way on this issue, what is causing the NDP to drop in the polls in Quebec? Oh, because they support the niqab, and they but just do- had they just had the French language debate in which that was a huge issue. Okay, yeah, it, that really strikes me as something that should not really be an issue at all. Well, I, you know, because we probably share debate. the same viewpoint about <laughs> such things. Yeah, but it was I don't know. It was the French language debate, and they I guess you could almost call it the Quebec debate, honestly. Yeah, because I mean, that is you, the largest concentration easily. of French people in Canada. Yeah, I don't think if if Quebec wasn't a part of Canada, I really don't feel like there would be that stro- strong of a pull of for anywhere else in the country to use French at all, uh, unless you already spoke it. I'm I'm consistently shocked by how much French is around. Basically, when you go up north. Just anywhere. There will be okay. pockets of French people somewhere. There are pockets, sure. Well, yeah, but, but it's because like, a lot of the French explorers were the original ones to settle those areas. Yeah. And being away from the largely English, larger populations, they just never really saw a reason to start speaking English. That makes sense. Yeah. That's fair. It's also interesting because apparently that's how accents can arise. Stagnant populations, they tend to just hold the accent that they, you know, have had since inception. Or that's right. a popular linguistic theory. And that's why when I go home, I tend to say, I'm going, going out of the host. Do you need the car for anything? <laughs> so, yeah. So what you're saying is accents, as we know them, are really a lack of accent because it's the language not changing in a particular pocket, whereas the mainstream language is changing. Yeah. They actually think that uh, old English might have sounded, or like, you know, the southern states? Yeah. The the southern accent, they think that's what English sounded like when the south was settled. Because if you look at words like lawyer, spelled L-A-W-Y-E-R, in the south they would pronounce that a lawyer. Yeah. Which... Sounds a lot more like how it's spelled than the current lawyer in sure. common English. Yeah. There are a lot of words like that. 
Yep. Yeah. That's interesting, though. Isn't it, though? Isn't it just? Now I have a whole new thing to think about when I start thinking about weird words like jewelry, Wednesday, <laughs> February. <laughs> Trying to think of other good ones, but I, I got nothing. Nuclear. Knife. <laughs> I don't think that's a good example. No, because there's just a K there for whatever reason. Yeah. Yay, English. <laughs> if you don't already know it, good luck to you. Uh, is there anything else going on in politics? Uh, I mean, other than the fact that it's just a huge toss-up. That's kind of terrifying, the... actually. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's really interesting because this is the first election in living memory, at least, in which you've had these three parties this close in the polls, this close to the election. Yeah. Like, it's it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of apprehensive because I did a foolish thing before the election and made predictions on my blog. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not even sure what I predicted right now, so I've got to go back and reread that to see how well I did. When did you do this? Uh, was, was it the candidates thing you did? Yeah, it was my last blog post. Okay, so was it? It was a part of the candidate series, but was it in uh, any of the ones about a specific candidate, or was it after? I made predictions at the end of each one, saying what I thought would happen. Okay, okay, and they're incredibly flaky, if I'm remembering them correctly. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Makes I'm really. Sense. Like, that's just adding a bit of extra curiosity for me. It's like if I put money on the election. Yeah. Except so, it's not monetary. It's just, you know, people look back and go, man, he's an idiot. <laughs> do, do you want to know what you said? Uh, the one that I remember most clearly is Tom Mulcair. And I okay. said he should win, but he won't. And okay. back when they were riding at about 40% approval, I was going, <laughs> ooh, my face is going to be red. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So do you want to know? Because I can tell you. I've got it open right here. Please do. Okay. So for Justin Trudeau, you predicted that Trudeau will win a minority. Okay. Uh, in that part, you also predicted that if he didn't win a minority, that Harper would be held to a minority. In the Harper one, you you really say you literally say this isn't really much of a prediction. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad I'm honest about it. Yeah, if he, I guess it's the same thing. If he wins, it'll probably be a minority. If he loses, he will almost certainly limit the winner to minority status. Which that's that isn't really a prediction. That's just the reality of politics in Canada for the last ten years. Ten years maybe longer <laughs> he had a pretty commanding majority last time no i i know but i mean i i mean in general as the trend goes sure. he managed to to pull that out but and then yeah you were right about Mulcair. he sh- probably should win this election but won't yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting it will i saw and i'm not gonna be able to find it at all but i saw a graphic talking about it, someone had tracked all 308 ridings across Canada and 
show that if 308.com or well oh you might be thinking of vote together it's very possible the one that showed that if if liberal and ndp voters voted for the candidate that was leading in their riding that wasn't the conservative party then the conservative government would only get 40 seats like if they basically if they bowed together each would get this huge number of seats and uh, if they didn't, if they voted the way they're voting now, the conservatives would have a slim minority or majority. Yeah, minority government, but a slim yeah. majority of the overall votes. So I don't see I don't see Canadians uniting in that kind of way. Just the way our political system works doesn't really allow it. It would be a huge gamble for any of the 30 million, 35 million, whatever it is, people to do. I don't see it happening. But if it did, I mean, it'd be, be good. I, th- I think what we might see, the only th- thing that I think might happen is, you know, coming into the real home stretch after Thanksgiving weekend, I think you're going to see a lot of people uniting behind one change party. Yeah. Because the numbers do indicate that, you know, two thirds of voting Canadians are not pleased with what's or they're not pleased with the general state of affairs and so i'm wondering if you'll see union behind one of those change parties it yeah. could also happen at a riding by riding level and i'm not convinced that's going to happen but i mean in calgary center anyway kent's numbers have have been getting better as time goes on okay. and the ndp's numbers are steadily shrinking by about the same amount Hmm. just because man people really don't like crockett here one of those things he's the conservative she's the conservative incumbent yeah okay i don't know why i went to he but i think it's davy crockett related (laughs) perhaps yeah i could see that yeah but uh yeah i mean it's it's also interesting because this is the first time that the conservatives have really led in the polls, like just recently. Yeah. Because they've... The mo- the best they were doing is being kind of sort of competitive with the NDP for the longest time. Yeah. And now, at the end of this outrageously long writ period, <laughs> they've finally come out just eking a little bit ahead. And it's like... Was that their plan? Did they see this coming or? That would be crazy. Yeah. If they did. It's. Man. So exciting. So the unfortunate thing here is that voting is a private thing. It's, it's something that a lot of people like to keep close to the vest. And. uh, Last election, so many people voted for the conservatives. There are people out there who like what they're doing. And so it kind of scares me that those people still, for the most part, exist. And it yeah, seems they like do. It, yeah, the only thing that's going to save Canada, if I can hyperbolize, is, is the addition of 30 extra writings, which will keep them from taking a minority. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, that's not what I was going to say. That might work. But no, I, I think... What what needs to happen is for the people who didn't vote and traditionally don't vote in elections to be fed up enough with the conservative government that they say this is enough. We need something different. And I, yeah. 
really what the election is going to come down to is whether those people vote or not. And apparently voter apathy was a big factor in the last election. Like people yeah. just did not show up. Yeah. And traditionally conservative voters who are seniors who typically have nothing else to do on voting day. Yeah. At the very least, they make themselves available. Yeah. Came out in droves. Well, I think there's a certain amount of apathy that comes with two consecutive minority governments that people go, well, why are we doing this again? We just did this and it didn't do anything. So yeah, maybe that led to some of that apathy. But I think, I think all the pretty crazy and baffling changes that conservatives have been making slowly over time but have kind of come to a head will hopefully motivate younger people to, to at least consider their options and odds are they probably won't consider Harper to be an option. I know a lot of people that feel that way. Well, in the younger circles, yeah. Yeah, I exactly. fully agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be so interesting. It'll be fun. I don't know that we'll have another episode before the election, but we should certainly... You were talking about having one live all day during the election. I still maintain I that having an that election... Now. Sorry, yeah. I I had a bad internet connectivity moment. That's but okay. I still think it would be a great idea. But I also think it would be illegal. Just, it, it would be a great illegal idea. Yeah. Because we would be broadcasting to all time zones. We would have to wait for the polls to close in British Columbia before we could start podcasting is the long and short yeah. of it. And I'm not I'm not doing that. And I am almost certainly going to be at Kent Harris party. So there's that. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. It do they have a party if the person doesn't win or is it they, like everyone plans a tentative party and then only one of them actually happens? No, I think they all have like they all have parties. It's just the if they don't win, people tend to just shuffle out quietly. Right. And I mean, okay. if you Jim Prentice's uh election night in the Alberta election was like that. Okay. I guess he was at the Met and you know the place was just rocking until the the numbers or the ballots started coming in and then <laughs> everyone went went home to shred all their documents. <laughs> Literally that did happen. There's yeah. Big kerfuffle about it. Interesting. Oh yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I had to say on this. I, I think, think so. I've gotten a surprising amount out about the election and how I feel about it. Yeah. What are your feelings on the on the parties and the policies? Do you know that much about the parties and the policies? I know a very small amount. Like I know generically what's going on, but in terms of especially in terms of things going on in my actual riding, I have no idea. But on a grand level, I kind of know. I took the vote compass and that fairly informative but really what it comes down to for me is it's a choice of the non-conservative options the the vote compass i think we might have talked about this briefly uh in future chat we talked about the vote compass i'm like dead center between green ndp and liberal and it's really just a matter of like i'm literally did you see the like they have another axis this time? Yeah, I'm dead center on in three dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's crazy. Fantastic. 
Yeah. But on on the opposing side of conservatives, so I'm not yeah. I'm in no way aligned with any of their policies, but in terms of the other ones, it's kind of whatever I want. Hmm. Yeah. So while I was with the campaign, mm-hmm. I was noticing that I was eating just terribly. Because okay. I just did not have time. I was eating a lot of fast food. And I looked at what I was doing and I went, I, I just can't keep eating like this because this is just ridiculously unhealthy. And so I looked into Soylent as an option. Yeah. And I subscribed. You subscribed I, as in bought one or did you actually get a subscription? I got the subscription. Wow. Which, interestingly, has since been upgraded. Oh, really? Yeah, I I went to just get like, you know, saying I'll get a week supply and see how that goes. And I'm using an awful lot of it to the point where I was going to w- run out well before my next shipment came in. Mm-hmm. I've typically been having like a liter of it prepared in the mornings. Right. Half of my well, I was going to say half of the t- the 2000 calorie package, but okay. I have since learned that I need to eat significantly more of that, more than that <laughs> if I want to continue with an active lifestyle and not want to be starving all the time. Sure. But uh so I was going to bump up to a 2 week thing and then Kaya tried Soylent and I did not expect Kaya to be into it at all because mm-hmm. almost every review I've ever seen has been a guy trying Soylent and their female significant other saying how much they hate it and think it's a terrible idea. (laughs) But Kaya has started having it for breakfasts to the point where I actually got up before her this morning and prepared the normal breakfast that she'd have like yogurt, berries, granola, that kind of thing. And she came out and went, Oh, I've been having Soylent for breakfast. Oh. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I mean, this is fine. I just, I'm going to have to pack a, you know, a snack to have mid-morning because now I'll be hungry. Yeah. Just because, yeah. Soylent put an emphasis on keeping people sated for a long time, and apparently it's really working it, well for Kaya. It works, yeah. So today I bumped the subscription up to three weeks per month and we'll see how that goes that's awesome yeah it's i did not at all expect kai to be into it but here we are Hmm. i'm interested to try the liquid version the non-powdered one yeah i had i experienced on twitter remotely um someone going through the process you described where the guy tries it and then the girl they're with also tries it and uh Basically, apparently, according to Des, who is uh, one of my Twitter friends, it has the consistency, like she described it as almost gluey, which made me, originally, when I didn't know that it was the liquid version, I was like, I think you're maybe not adding enough water, but apparently that's how it's supposed to be. So I don't, okay. I don't know, I'm, I'm intrigued to try it, but I, I don't really have any interest in having the liquid version because using water on site where you are it's so much easier than carrying water around well yeah although 
with that in mind, I have been adding bananas and blueberries when I make it here. Wild blueberries, yeah. frozen wild blueberries, because normal conventional blueberries, I've been ruined. Yeah. I just, I can't go back. <laughs> They're awful by comparison. How, how do you figure that? I think most people would think the opposite. So conventional blueberries are large and they are bland. Because oh, okay. As, I get what you're saying. You know, as all other conventional agriculture has been going, yeah. the emphasis is placed on yield and nothing else. Mm-hmm. But wild blueberries, oh, they're, they're something special. <laughs> and this is going back to my, my days being raised in the, in the East. You go up to the Canadian Shield, and I think blueberries need an acidic soil. Okay. Which you don't find down south in the limestone areas, but on the shield anyway, they grow well. And like in the oddest places, you have to go, you can go to rock faces and things like that, and they grow very well. Mm-hmm. But you start picking those, and you realize that just your life's changed. It's like Honeycrisp apples. There's, your life will be divided into pre-wild blueberry days and post-wild blueberry days. Fair enough. It's like, it's like opening Pandora's box on knowledge and you just, you'll forever be disappointed by conventional blueberries after that. Right. Yeah. But you, you said frozen wild blueberries. Yes. That's still okay. Oh yeah. Like they're, <laughs> The flavor isn't really that negatively impacted. And if you're blending it, it's fine. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Whenever I've had frozen strawberries, I've found, you know, if you blend it, it's fine. Yeah. But there's a consistency thing that happens when freezing, and it's just they're not the same before and right. after freezing. Yeah. But, yeah, for something like I've used them a lot in oatmeal, too. If you're going for an oatmeal or some sort of blended application that's absolutely absolutely fantastic that's good and i've had the saskatoon berries here and they are good but they're they're just not quite wild blueberries okay that's fair i would never want to take that away from you you're in the perfect place to go blueberry picking too like not ottawa itself but yeah. In the surrounding areas, you should you should absolutely go and try and find some wild blueberries this summer, this coming summer. I I probably won't, but I'll at least keep it in mind for as long as I can. Please do. Yeah. But so my experience with Soylent, and maybe you can tell me yours afterwards, is I've been using it for lunch. I've it I tend to go through about a bag a week. So five days of approximately equal amounts per day. And that's literally all I eat at work for the eight hours I'm there. Mm-hmm. And in, in doing that along with biking to and from work, that has what, that's what has given me the ability to lose weight fairly easily. I, I wasn't doing it. I wasn't losing any weight, even though I was biking until I started having just soylent for lunch. And I, I find that odd, but it makes sense. Yeah. 
That said, I'm not entirely sure how you managed to survive for eight hours on like a scoop and a half of Soylent. But Neither am I. I have no idea. Your your breakfasts and dinners must be robust. Is my breakfast is my approximation? Okay, this week has been the worst. Worst in terms of food quantity that I've eaten. Yesterday, so Wednesday and Tuesday, I literally didn't eat lunch. I didn't have any soylent. So I had my breakfast is about seventy five Cheerios with milk. 75 like, cheerios not like you know cup cup and a half no it's like the it's like the bottom layer of the bowl and then i add some milk like it's the least substantial breakfast of all time and then i have not needed anything throughout the day and then i'm i'm hungry when i get home but i'm not I starving bet. like i'm not dying it's weird i it don't is weird i don't get it me neither what yeah. do you Hmm. I know. I it it's yeah. No wonder you're losing weight. Like I looked at the rate of loss and went, "Woo, that is intense." Yeah. But uh, yeah, fasting will do that. But it it kind of is fasting. But there's something freeing about having food that's three minutes away from being prepared and ready to consume within arm's reach that makes me feel like I don't need it right now. I, and I don't, don't know what that is exactly. Like if I could have, if there's food within, within five seconds of eating and it's in it within arm's reach, I will eat that constantly. I'll just keep eating it. But if it's three minutes away and it's within arm's reach, I'm just like, I could eat, but, but I don't really need to right now. There's something weird about that balance. I can see that. Yeah. And actually, a big reason why I was eating so terribly was that the food I was eating was convenient. Yeah. Because McDoubles are just outrageously convenient. They're so good, and they're so calorie-dense. They really are. It's just... They're all... You can eat them in sub-10 minutes, and... Yeah. 10 minutes? You're taking way too long. Sub-1 minute? <laughs> sub-1 minute might be pushing it. But, uh, yeah. like, And Soylent is so convenient. That is... Yeah. A huge, huge benefit of it. What I'm not crazy about from an EMW perspective is the value of the Canadian dollar right now. Yeah. Because the exchange rate is just killing me right now. But, man, the minute they open a factory in in Canada, because, you know, clearly that's going to happen. It's not going to happen. They don't need it, though. They have a distribution center in Mississauga. Yeah, but if the purchase could be made in Canadian dollars, I mean, yeah, if the price was in Canadian dollars, I would be so yeah. much happier. All that I think that would do is stabilize the price. Like, the, you can buy an iPhone in Canadian dollars, but it's still 300 Canadian dollars more than it would be in the States. Touché. Yeah, okay. I think I see it. yeah, that that would more pacify us to at least know what we're paying whereas now when you buy Soylent, you just put in your credit card and it says how much American it is and you just ex- you're you literally just accept blindly whatever exchange rate they're using. Yeah. And it's terrible. Yeah, but 
you know. God, I love it though. It's so easy. Yeah. I've always been a big fan of getting a robust breakfast into you just because I find it helps you throughout the day. Yeah. But to get the amount of protein in one serving of Soylent is, it's like three eggs and something else. Yeah, it is. And that's, it's not the fastest thing to prepare. It can be. I've gotten really good at it. That much protein in a meal? Oh, in, in a meal. I thought you meant Soylent. Oh, no. Like, Soylent is just, it's done. It's beautiful. If you want to eat that much protein that quickly, you basically end up doing, when I do eat, I'm going to call it dinner, but it's not. It's just food that happens around dinner time. I basically just grab a handful of whatever sliced meat we have in the fridge and I eat it. <laughs> That's my protein. I like I grab like three or four slices of turkey and I just put it in my mouth. <laughs> It's literally no wonder why I'm losing weight because that's that's dinner for me a lot of the time. Yeah, wow. Huh. Here I am trying to eat right and exercise and, you know, build lean muscle and things like that. And Rob's just like, yeah, I just don't eat. I just eat protein and soylent. <laughs> I do, I when I go to restaurants now, and this is something that I've never done in my life, is I get either a soup or a salad on the side because restaurant portions are so damn big all the time. I can't handle it. I've I've actually started, you know, getting half of it to go depending on how hungry I am, what I've been yeah. doing. I'll usually eat if like I and in this weight loss time, I I tend to lose like 5 or 6 pounds or even a little bit more during the week and then on weekends i kind of forget i don't forget but i worry about it a lot less so i think i balance out to about two two and a half pounds lost per week total but it's because i love burgers so much like i can't not eat a hamburger if it's in front of me but then so my they're amazing i've gone to restaurants in the last two months where i get this gigantic burger and then i'm like okay well i'll just have super salad on the side it's fine yeah, and it works so well. But I mean, I half my half my calories are from protein these days. Unless it's potato soup, you're you're forgoing the the potatoes. Yeah, that's true. I had Which, potato soup one time. Good on you. Yeah. Again, I, it's not that I don't like potatoes. It's just that I don't prepare them. Actually, in our travels in uh, Western Canada, because we recently went to we went to Grand Prairie and Grand Cache. Those were the yep. highlights of that trip. And then the day after, we went to the Ukrainian Heritage Village kind of thing, just east of Edmonton. I think it's just east. It's near Elk Island National Park. Okay. Details. Tried borscht for the first time. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm not sure what I expected, but this isn't it. That mm -hmm. said, I really enjoyed it. I just <laughs> did not expect that to be what borscht tastes like. That makes sense. Yeah. Given that it was Ukrainian, I expected it to be much blander, but... Right. You know. They have some stuff that has flavor. Yeah. Black pepper and onions. It's winning combination. Right. <laughs> do we have any more to say on food, or do you want to talk about hockey? Because I, I don't have much to say about hockey, but I figured you probably would. That's why I wrote down the word... Or the words yeah. hockey season starting again. Well, that's... <sighs> 
This is basically like our main points on East meets West. Yeah. We want to catch up. So like, so what's happening in hockey? <laughs> I actually really wanted to try and pay more attention to football this year and it just didn't happen. It's the is CFL the C- we're talking about? Yeah. I've never had much interest in the NFL just because, I don't know, it's just never really appealed to me. Yeah, that's fair. The CFL has that local element. Yeah. Which I find is missing for me in the NFL. What do you do? Not much. You watch hockey. Basically. And I had I have no special feelings towards the Argos. So I was thinking, you know, maybe maybe I'll get in on the Stampeders. Maybe I'll hop on that bandwagon. But I just didn't watch anything and that's how that went. Right. Even right now during the Blue Jays main winning streak, I I like the Blue Jays and I really like going to the like live games at the then Skydome. Mm-hmm. But I just haven't been watching. Right. And they're doing ex- insanely well this year. Yeah, I've even got a standing offer from someone who actually knows baseball to go to her place and she'll explain, you know, these are these people and these are known for this and yada, yada, yada. And I just haven't. Right. But uh, Mike Babcock, who Don Cherry once in his, you know, he's known to mispronounce people's names, but roll with it anyway. Yeah. He once gaffed and it came out Mike Dad Babcock. And that it's on Vine somewhere. It's beautiful. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. I think he he got like the first syllable out, realized it was wrong, switched it to So that's how he went from Mike Dad Bab and then just needed the kind of cocky sounding last syllable yeah. and just familiarity went with clock. Mike okay. Dad Bab clock. But yeah, the Leafs got rid of Phil Kessel, and my Phil Kessel shirt is still sitting in the closet, and I I just, feelings What inside. are you going to do? I'm going to wear it, and I'm going to be sad when we don't have, you know, someone to just hang out at the blue line and streak into the opposing net. That said... <laughs> I'm not surprised they traded him because that was his thing. Like he did not back check ever at all for any reason, but their successes were almost always based on him streaking out or like on a breakaway and scoring in the, I think it was the lockout shortened season where they actually made the playoffs. If you went back and looked at every goal from JVR, Kadri, Kessel, and Bozak. Like, mm-hmm. it was all just... They all managed to nab the puck in their zone, streak into the opposing zone, and then snipe something. Right. And that's why they were winning games so hilariously and yet had terrible possession numbers. Right. And that's why eventually... G- everything came crashing down around them <laughs> of or so the anal- or so the analytics crowd would have you believe yeah and i am ab- i am absolutely a member of the analytics crowd i, I dig it i like it sure but yeah so they got rid of kessel they got just a bunch of new faces coming in got 
Lou Lamorello as their GM. And the haircuts are already a little closer, a little tighter, <laughs> less less scruff around the team. <laughs> Literally, like there was some rule about no playoff beards on Lou Lamorello's New York, New Jersey Devils. And it okay. appears he might be having a similar influence right now. Huh. And it's a shame because Leo Komarov grows an amazing handlebar mustache. That's too bad. It is too bad. But um, I suspect this season is going to be just horrendously depressing. But at the same time, once again, they have the aspect of hope going forward. Sure. So... I mean, last year was about as bad as it got for me as a Leafs fan. I stopped watching the games because they were terrible and there was no hope. When when they... Air Canada Center now, is that what it's called? Yes. Since 1993, I think. Good, because I get confused. But um, when that arena stops selling out, that's how you know... There's something horribly wrong with the Leafs. Yeah. They ended like a decades-long sellout streak. Yeah. Or 18 years, maybe. But That's crazy. God. I'm talking about all the Leaf fans that were so faithful for so long. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. No, it makes absolutely. complete sense. But yeah. now... Finally, doing things right. They've finally realized that, hey, we can spend whatever we want on people in the front office. We should just get the best coach and the best GM. Just buy the best ones. We have the money. And oh my God, they finally did it. That makes sense. They hired. They hired the guy who ran like all the cap compliance stuff for the NHL. They hired him to be their cap guy. <laughs> now, I'm starting to think, what if they started hiring as sort of bigger stars retire? What if they just hired all of them as coaches? Like, what if you had... You, there's a salary cap, so obviously they have more money than they're allowed to spend on players. But what if they just got each player their own coach who is or was a professional player? Ah, because... Professional players don't necessarily make the best coaches. The ones that do, let's say. Sure. Let's just hire all the coaches. I don't know just, how they would do that. Exactly. I don't know either. But and I think maintain it be... some level of dignity for each of those coaches. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we hired you, but great. there are 47 others that, you know. They each focus on development of one player. So you get each player up to the po- highest possible caliber they could, but without raising the salary cap. That would be I'm, interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how you would do it because they have so much money that they can't spend on player salaries. But you could. it doesn't mean you can't spend that money towards things that might improve your team. You could try anything. It's true, they could it's probably not a good idea i don't know well they like put the marlies in toronto and that's been that's like lost the money in the long term Mm -hmm. but they basically spent it to say like 
you know, if you want to come and be in the Leaf system, you can do it all from Toronto. Right. So if someone signs a two-way contract for Ottawa, they have to be aware that they could be in Ottawa or they could be in Binghamton, New York, or something like that. Sure. But in Toronto, it's just, yeah, you can buy a condo downtown and that'll serve you well. Hmm. Unless you get sent down to the Solar Bears, who they're trying to have a strong relationship with. And where's the Solar Orlando. Bears from? Orlando Solar Bears. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. They're trying Interesting to. Interesting choice. Their vision going forward is to use the Solar Bears as a development stage. So all your new guys come into Orlando. Then the best of Orlando goes to the Marlies. And then the best of the Marlies come to, come to the Leafs. Okay. In, in sort of a just outrageous developmental standpoint. Yeah. Or system. But the problem is they don't actually own the Orlando Solar Bears. So how does the setup work? Beats me. Okay. They just have That's a fine. very close relationship with them, and you hope that Orlando does what they tell them to. Sure. I imagine they just, I don't know, buy them nice things and say, you know, you do what we, you do what we uh, tell you to do. We give you nice presents. We give you some money. You stop doing what we tell you to do. We stop giving you money. It's that simple. All of a sudden, you're a mobster now. If you had the Leafs money, I'm sure it would come easy. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Just make them an offer they can't refuse. Yeah. So you don't have very high hopes for the Leafs, but you still have some hope. I think Steve Dangle said it best when he said, like, people ask how the Leafs are going to do this this year. He's like, great. Like, they might finish as high as 20th. And that's, I kind of agree with that, unless we have just an outrageous breakout year under Mike Dad Babcock. Right. That's unfortunate. Could be worse. Could be last year. That's true. Last year was abjectly horrible i i the one memory that sticks out for me from from the nhl last season was it, i believe it was leafs january where they i think they won one game that sounds about right it's like the worst nhl january ever that that sounds about right like in a hundred years of history yeah, yeah. like in more than a hundred years because there was a toronto team in the National Hockey Association that predated the NHL. Yeah. Basically, the NHL was created because nobody liked the owners of the Toronto team. And so that's why that's why the Habs are older than the Leafs <laughs> organization. But, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, then they were the arenas and the St. Pats and then finally the Maple Leafs. Incidentally, mm-hmm. I now own a St. Pats hat, which is going to serve me so well on St. Patrick's Day. No kidding. Absolutely. It was on I assume clearance. it has it's got the clover on the on the front and it's green? Is that No. Oh, well it's then the St. Patrick's ridiculous. logo. It's the Toronto Still Saint. a blue hat. Sorry, I'm Googling it. We're, I'll Google we're it almost too. there. Yeah. <laughs> well if you Google it then I'm you're, picturing you're blue. Fine. I don't know why. 
Sorry? I'm picturing a blue hat now. Now that you've said it's not green and doesn't have a clover on no, it. No, it's it's green. It just doesn't have a clover. Oh, well, that... And it's a really interesting way to be a covert Leafs fan because only, like, stupidly knowledgeable people will know what exactly it's referencing. Right. And that's probably why they still had it sitting there in the Edmonton sports store. Right. I like that I just referred to it as a sports store. They sell (laughs) sports and sports-related sporting sports. Yes. So I see a lot of green Toronto Maple Leafs jerseys in this image search. Or just go to the Wikipedia article. It has their logo. Yeah. Yeah. A few years ago, they actually, uh, they wore the St. Patrick's jerseys for St. Patrick's Day. That was pretty cool. I like that a lot. Okay. It's very interesting. It's not really a logo. It's just words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how are you feeling about hockey? Are you how closely do you follow the Flames right now? I know they're your team. They're not or at my least team. they were. No? I, I don't know that they ever were. They were close they were the closest I ever had to a team. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this. Back when I told you about the FNUF trade, you actually doubled over and put your head in your hands. Yeah. And I said, is, is it that bad? And you said, you don't understand. You have the FNUF factor now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure that level of anguish could be achieved without you having some sort of emotional attachment to them. I, have, I definitely have emotional attachment growing up, but it's guys like Jerome McGinley and Joe Neuendijk and Okay. At the very tail end... Um, oh, I can't even remember his name now. The the goalie who chain smoked. I cannot remember his name. Kipper. Yeah, Kipper Soft. What about that, Johnny Hockey? What I about Matt Stajan, former Toronto Maple Leaf <laughs> and former Belleville Bull? Only I don't one of those ex- organizations still exists. By the way, <laughs> I don't remember a time that Matt Stajan was on the Flames. He's on them right now. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I have no idea. (laughs) Elite fourth liner, we'll call him. (laughs) (laughs) So my hockey this season is going to be a little bit more than usual. Like I have, uh, I guess by, not by blood now, but legally I'm bound to at least pretend to really care how the the Habs do. I'm legally bound to pretend to care and be somewhat invested in it. That's what was I'm that in be your vows? Did you sign a marriage contract that that involved that? No, but I've been threatened uh, by various family, new family members that I'm I should not cheer for anyone but the Habs if the Habs are playing. Rob, <laughs> I will take you in. I don't care what Kaya says. <laughs> I I don't want to cheer for the Leafs. <laughs> I I'm not think saying you got to cheer for the Leafs. I just... I don't want to see you be forced into Habs fandom. I'm not forced into... I, I enjoy watching them. This, this that the radio listener can't see, this is my incredulous face. So, Julia is participating in a fantasy 
league, I guess you'd call it. I don't yeah. I don't really know how there's there's a number of different leagues. They all work different ways. This one's I think through Yahoo Fantasy something. Does she want my computer algorithm? Uh I don't know. They've they've done the draft. So it oh, might be useless. So no. Yeah. Uh but so I'm gonna be paying attention to hockey because she's gonna be watching probably more than she would otherwise, at least a little bit. I don't I have no interest whatsoever in participating in a fantasy league. And so the most that I'm going to be doing is kind of experiencing it through her and trying to help her if I if I know a little bit more about a particular player than she does. But for the most part, I'm useless when it comes to that. I don't... Hockey, it, it's fun to watch, but I can't get too invested. Like, if, if the Habs, like they did last year, have a playoff run, I'm going to start getting excited and build up. Just like if Canada has a run at the World Juniors or in the Olympics... I get excited, I get caught up in it, but then if it, when it's over, I'm sad for a day, and then I'm, I just move on with my life. That does sound nice. It, it is nice. It's very nice. Um, the one thing I will say, the downside to cheering for the Habs, if I, if I actually had an interest in cheering for a different team, I could claim allegiance to that team and not have to worry about this Habs thing, because once the playoffs start, if the Habs are winning we have to do the same thing that we did when the Habs won last time, which includes me not being there or definitely being there while a game is going on. And so it's just insufferable to live with someone who feels that superstitious about things. Because I'm just like, can I just watch the game with you? And it's like, no, you didn't watch it last time and they won and now you can never watch with me again. Did you know, Nick, it's been scientifically proven that um, superstitions are real and it definitely hasn't been completely disproven. Oh, yeah. Totally aware. Yeah. So that that's one downside of of being that into one team and that invested into their success. Mm. But other than that, I, I don't I'll watch it happily, like very happily. I enjoy watching it, but I I don't follow it because i can't so follow-up question Mm. the flames are playing the oilers how do you feel about that i want the flames to win okay i also really like young young hockey players from canada also really get me excited so do if i okay another good one the canucks are playing the oilers how does that make you feel are you conflicted because you hate them both so much being a Calgary fan? I don't hate either of them. I don't oh, hate that the is Oilers. Weird. I would pick the Flames, but I don't hate the Oilers. Okay. They have beautiful young stars about to take the ice again. So that's and, cheery. Uh, Ask right there. Hey, God, that's a good-looking kids on there. Good-looking <laughs> Canadian kids. Yeah. Like, for instance, if if I was watching Vancouver and Edmonton play... I would probably cheer for Edmonton because they're closer to what I grew up with. Okay. But I don't, I wouldn't have enough of an interest in that game to pick a, a favorite. I would just watch it and enjoy it. Okay. Flames are playing the Habs. Who do you pick? I don't know. I would probably, like, I, again, I wouldn't pick anyone. I would be, I'd be happy if the Flames won and I'd be, not unhappy if the Habs won because 
I know that it would make someone who's important because to me happy. Happy wife, happy happy life. Because exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. And I think that's all we need to say about hockey for now, because it. Yeah. The season hasn't even started yet. There's there's lots of time. There's been preseason. Oh, I know. It's been good. I know. It's been all right. Get that fix. <laughs> Just like Nick. Tap your forearm to get the veins out just so it can go directly into your veins. Yeah, I'm definitely not at that point. Okay. That's probably the healthy, the healthy route. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, I think we should wrap this up by talking. I don't know how much you want to say about unemployment. I hate I, it. I have a week left of work on my current contract, and it's kind of a blank page right now. Do you want to talk at all about what it's been like since leaving university and not really knowing what's next? It's just... I had such grand ideas growing up about what leaving university would be like. You know, Mm -hmm. getting a stable job, settling down, starting a family... And for me anyway, granted, I I don't think I'm the best job seeker, mm-hmm. but it's just been one stopgap after another at this point. Yeah. And like, I'm like, for the longest time I was thinking, you know, oh, I don't want to do something like go to Fort Mac. Like I like civilization too much. Ah. <laughs> yeah. But like. Kai and I visited Grand Prairie just more because we were, we'd never gone to Northern Alberta or Northern Alberta mm-hmm. with quotations around the word Northern. And so we decided we'd either go to Fort Mac or Grand Prairie and Grand Prairie had a scenic route along Jasper mm-hmm. that we could take back. So we went with Grand Prairie. Grand Prairie has a very stable economy and I, I love Calgary. I absolutely adore Calgary. But I'm sending a lot of applications up to Edmonton and Grand Prairie way just because, honestly, I just need something that I can do for a while and actually, like, get into and good at. Yeah. And start having reasonable salary expectations. I get that. It's really frustrating. I have been working at NSERC. I mean, technically, in January, it will have been three years since I first got a job there. But I've been working in the same job for almost the last year, started last November, and my contract has a week left in it. And at least as of right now, it's not getting renewed. I, I've been told it's not getting renewed, so it would take a miracle to kind of have that change. But I'm just... It's not necessarily something I'm passionate about doing anyways, the work that I'm doing. It's it's something that I'm good at and I can do, but I'm not I'm not upset about losing that particular job. The only reason that I want to work full time, like have a 9 to 5 kind of job is to like be a, an adult and start a family. Yeah. There's no strong draw to a job that I, any job that I've had so far really that something that I want to do, at least full-time jobs that I've had, that I, it's something I'd want to do for the rest of my life. 
And it's such a frustrating experience because it has now, we're now in the point that job applications have become so, if you want to apply sort of the, the normal way, which is online these days, that's how most companies want you to apply. It's ridiculous. It is a job in itself. Submit, submit us your resume. Okay, write every pertinent detail of your resume out in these little text boxes yeah. now so we can more easily search it. It's like, yeah. do you even, like, why am I giving you the resume? Yeah. Other than it's just one more hoop I can jump through for you people. Right. I feel like at a certain point it will be, it will be like, send us a link to your LinkedIn profile where you've already filled out all this information in neat little boxes and some of them are a little more like that. It's yeah. You can just import your LinkedIn file and yeah. that's your application. And then they'll, they will have a shorter questionnaire, which I do understand, which is saying like, I need to know about these specific points in your work yeah. history or your experience. And like that, I get that. Yeah. I understand, but God, they're frustrating. Yeah. What I'd really like to do is get into non-destructive testing or corrosion inspection, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because that's, those are jobs that do actually use some sort of scientific analysis. Yeah. They do involve basic scientific principles. And you do have to think about it at least a little bit when you're looking at things. Really and truly, I would like to be doing a job that not an an especially well-trained monkey couldn't do. Because that's been a lot of my lab jobs (laughs) up to this point. It's like, you know, if you really put your mind to it, you could just take anyone in off the street and train them how to do this. Sure. Like, it's not that hard. But, like, at least inspection and corrosion protection, stuff like that, that's something where you're actually helping. Mm -hmm. Like, what you end up doing is with proper inspection and protections and things like that, you help the company maintain the value of their assets. And as Nace so eloquently puts it, you are protecting people, property, and the environment from either corrosion or unexpected failure. And it's one of those nice places where you're making money because you're a valuable asset and that you're protecting the company's assets and the health and well-being of everyone around there. And so at the very least, no matter how boring your job might get after a while, no matter how bad it gets, you can fall back on the fact that you're making the world just a slightly better place for having done your work. Yeah. And I could apply the same rationale to the public service too, but... Yeah, of course. They're not hiring especially much at the moment. They're hiring some things, but they're not necessarily all things you'd want. Yeah. Or things that someone with our particular set of skills would be interested in. I have a very particular set of skills. (laughs) Skills that make me a nightmare for small defects like you. (laughs) There's a parody film in there somewhere. Yes, yes, there is. Um, So unemployment for me is... It's this weird thing where I know for a 100% certain that if I wanted a job tomorrow, I could get one. But I know that it would pay really poorly and I would hate it and I would 
like my time is better spent looking for a job that pays well than it is working in a job that pays nothing. And so I, I'm getting like you, you feel pressure from family, from friends, from significant others. Like, why don't you have a job? Adults have jobs. Aren't you an adult? And I'm just like, yes, I am. Have you ever tried to apply for a job today? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like there, right now, I know engineers who are in incredibly high demand all the time, always. Engineers are having trouble finding work here. Yeah. Like it's, that's how bad it's gotten. And honestly, that is why I decided to support the liberals this time around. Okay. Because, like, I mean, especially after I left the campaign, I thought about it. It was like, you know, I could just do whatever the hell I want now in terms of the parties I support. But I genuinely feel from being on the ground and trying to find employment that we are stagnating as an economy. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like the Liberals' deficit spending plan on infrastructure is arguably our best way to jumpstart the economy going forward. Sure. And it's not even going to fix things overnight, but I just... God, I hope it gets better. It would be hard to see it getting worse unless possibly a certain political party stays in power. Not naming any names. (sighs) They don't even have... I don't know, like, politicians get blamed more than they actually deserve for the state of the economy, but there are things you can do to try and help, and I genuinely don't believe that austerity is one of those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the American economy between 2000 and 2010 or so, you will see that a political party can, and possibly even one single person, politician, can have an, a massive impact on an economy. Yeah. Well, they have said, like, uh, what is it? It's either job or GDP growth. It's been around 2% in the States following the recession. Yeah. And in Germany, they embraced austerity, and it's been growing at like half that rate. Yeah. So there's at least some effect it's just sure you know oh yeah the winds have started blowing and now the blinds are rattling (laughs) have fun in post-production rob yay (laughs) i mean we can wrap this up did you have any more you want to say on unemployment we've been going for an hour and a half Uh, i hope it is short-lived me too i hope actually that it is not lived yeah. Like for for me it would be really nice. I don't know if I don't see it happening necessarily. The last time I was unemployed it was for about 5 weeks and it was just it was the middle of the summer so I was like, "Uh, eh, I'll I'll keep looking, but if I don't get a job while it's summer, that's I'm like I'm not going to die. I have say I have money saved. But obviously you you want to minimize that as an adult. It'd be cool to have a part-time job that paid really well. I've been saying that for a while rather than getting, like, I'd love to get a decent starting salary. And then instead of getting regular pay raises, get regular hourly 
reductions. So like make the same amount of money, but work 35 hours a week and then work 30 hours a week, like go down and get more free time. Yeah. Well, yeah, that'd be nice. It'd be all, it'd also be nice if we had a guaranteed minimum income that we could fall back on. Yes. I, the fact it makes me feel better for myself that I advocate for basic income. Uh, even when I have a, government job which by all accounts is relatively cushy it it just makes so much sense like even if you have money you you still benefit from this and that if something happens like everyone always talks about getting a permanent job getting a job that where you're not on probation you're not on a contract you're you're just there but that doesn't make a job permanent that just makes it a little more secure that job could still disappear at any moment Mm mm-hmm Yeah. So until then, 